Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. Well, let's do something as we begin this morning. We just sang um, some powerful words, a lot of powerful words, but we sang these, which I think are pretty prophetic as we stand uh, kind of still at the beginning of a new year. God of my present, God of my future, you write my story, you hold it all together. And so today, I just feel led, uh, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and you are carrying a tremendous burden, a burden for the present, (laughs) a burden for the future. I just want to pray for you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. Would you join me? Would you bow your heads? Uh, As we were, were singing that song, I just felt like for some of us today, this is this is real. This is a battle. This is heavy. And so if you're watching online, would you just have the courage to drop your name there? And by doing that, you're saying, man, th- this is me today. This is my prayer. If you're here in the room, would you just join me in a posture of surrender, a posture that says, man, there's something today that's heavy. <laughs> there's something today. It's too much for me. And as we pray, I just want to, I want to give that. I want to surrender that. I want to yield that to the Lord. We're not going to carry on here, but we're just going to stop for a minute and pause. And if that's you today, I just want to pray with you and for you. God, you see us today where we are, and you see the burdens that we carry today. You see the burdens that feel so heavy for our future, but we don't just sing a a cool song and go throughout the... No, we declare today that you're God of the present. We declare today that you're God of my future, and we declare today that you, you write the story. You write the story. Not me, not my circumstances, not the news, not my neighbor. You write my story, God. You hold it all together. And so whatever it is that we're carrying today, in Jesus' name, we declare that you're enough. In Jesus' name, we declare that your grace is sufficient. In Jesus' name, we declare that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And so we have hope today. We we believe, God, that all things are possible. So whatever it is that we're carrying today, we surrender. We, We give it to you because you are Lord and And we don't have to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Does anybody else want to say amen to that? I I do. Amen. 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 God is good and he is faithful. That was extra credit today. You didn't come for that, but you got it. So thanks for showing up and being a part. Uh, Man, welcome back. It's James, right? It's like that friend. You know that friend you have and you hadn't seen him for a little while. And as soon as they show up, you don't have to like reintroduce yourself. You You can just jump right back in. That's where we're at today. It's our good friend James. He's back. We have been in a deep dive since September into the book of James. We took a little bit of reprieve during Christmas uh, to to focus on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And here we are today, right back in this new year in the book of James. And James is bringing us today to a very important topic, a very relevant topic, a a topic that I think we all want as we start this new year. It's the topic of wisdom. This idea of wisdom. The truth is today, listen, the truth is we all want wisdom. We all want wisdom. In in 1 Kings 3, you don't have to turn there, you can look later, but the Lord told Solomon, Solomon, you can have anything you want in the world. And you know what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom. Have you ever had the sense in your life 
that you have no idea what you're doing? <laughs> now, there's a question, right? Of course you don't admit it. <laughs> don't look at your neighbor, right? Of course you don't admit it. Certainly you don't admit it out loud into a microphone in front of people, right? But, but all of us, all of us have been at a place in our lives where we have to admit, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I remember, I remember when my oldest was born, and I remember uh, we were really young parents, but I remember having this overwhelming sense, and I have a picture, right? I just want you to have a visual, right? I know. You better say all, right? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. When you have the microphone, I'll say all for your kid. But um, yeah, so I remember holding her, right, and having this overwhelming feeling like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I got another picture. Um, this is just to prove that you can train up a child in the way that they should go, and uh, when they are old, they will not turn from it. That's biblical, by the way. So, um, but I remember, I remember holding that little one in my, in my hands, literally my hands, and just thinking like, oh, dear Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know how to raise a, a girl. Oh. And that little girl, I remember holding her and thinking, man, she's going to grow up to be a teenager one day. Lord, help me, Right? That little, she's going to grow up and she's going to drive. Like this year, a real car. Jesus, how I, the service could end right now. I'm ready for the altar. I don't know about you. But, but, but I had this overwhelming sense. I have no idea what I'm doing. I wonder if you can relate to that. Maybe as a parent, maybe not. Maybe another area of your life. That overwhelming feeling. Man, I think there's something this morning we can all agree on. No matter how smart you are, or how educated you are, or how experienced, there will come a moment in your life, if you haven't had it already, where you'll say, ooh, I need wisdom. I, I don't have all the answers. And, and today, I don't know, maybe, maybe you would say, I don't know what's coming ahead. I don't know what the future holds. Some of you are like, I can't even really manage what's happening in the present day, much less the future. I need some wisdom. And so last week, last week we learned, this is a powerful truth, we learned that there is a difference between God's wisdom and the wisdom of man. There is a difference. And maybe the wisdom that you want is not really the wisdom that you need. I'm going to say that again because I think that's really important. Maybe the wisdom that you've desperately wanted in your life is not actually the wisdom that you need. And you may say, well, how is that so? Because not all wisdom... Not all wisdom that we run after, not all wisdom that we chase after and we consume and we read about and we listen to, not all wisdom is godly wisdom. Pastor Sam last week uh, helped us jump into this topic, and last week was really part one of a two-part message that we'll complete this week. And last week was really helping us dive into this topic about false wisdom, false wisdom, Perhaps for many of us, we've been chasing after a wisdom that's not real. It's not real. It's not really what we need to live the life that God has called us to live. I think that, that the thing that stuck out to me most about the James 3 passage last week that Pastor Sam preached on was this. Wisdom that isn't from God, it's not just a bad idea. It's not just unwise. It's demonic. Man, that stopped me in my tracks. There are three statements. I'm going to show them on the screen to help us kind of review if you missed uh, joining us last week. So, so you'll be up to speed where we're at today in James 3. Statement number one last week was this, that God, God is the source of true wisdom. He is the source of true wisdom. That's foundational for us today. Uh, statement number two is if you hold on to your wisdom, your idea, your definition of wisdom, if you hold tightly to that, God can't give you his. That's foundational today as we talk about 
true wisdom. Uh, next and finally is this, worldly wisdom is always hostile to God. That hurts a little bit. That's hard. We, we want to push back and wrestle with that. But the truth is, of God's word, is, is that any wisdom that excludes God, that doesn't take him into, it, it ultimately becomes hostile to him. This is challenging, and this is humbling, but this is true. Listen, we can't feed ourselves a constant diet of wisdom that ignores or excludes God and think that he can honor and bless our lives. I'm going to say that again. We can't feed ourselves a constant diet of worldly wisdom and think that somehow God can bless our lives because worldly wisdom will ultimately be hostile to God. And so here we are. We're going to jump back in. Uh, we're in James chapter 3. Uh, there's a version event set up today if you're a Bible uh, app user. Uh, you can check that out there. But we're going to be uh, looking at just two verses today, but we're going to back up and review the verses from last week that help us uh, talk about this idea of wisdom. So I'm going to invite you today. Uh, we believe participation is better than observation. So I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able uh, for the reading today of God's word. If you have your copy of scripture, you can pull it out right now in front of you and read along with us. Uh, we're going to start in verse 13 of James 3, but it will also be on the screen behind me. This is the word of the Lord for us today. We begin with the verses from last week to remind us about this false wisdom. Right here it is in verse 13. Who is wise? In understanding among you, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, look at the parentheses there in, in, in my copy of scripture, I don't know about yours. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. And so this is the false wisdom we just read about that James speaks of. And now today we're going to separate part two of this message to talk about what is the true wisdom. What is the true wisdom? And that's, that's for us. Verse 17 and 18 says this. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. You can be seated. The question for us today, what, what is true wisdom? How do we get it? How do we grow in it? Uh, what is true wisdom? We see James clearly outlined the last week, Pastor Sam helped us dive into false wisdom. But, but what is true wisdom? How do we get it? How do we grow in it? Uh, James gives us seven qualities, seven qualities of this true wisdom. He doesn't leave uh, much up for it. He, he shows us very clearly item by item. And so we're going to go through it. I'm going to have the scripture up here on the screen and we're going to look at attribute by attribute. The first is this word pure. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all 
pure. First of all, pure. And, and as we look through some of these adjectives, we're going to be talking a little bit about Greek. You may say, why in the world would we do that? Because these words in James 3 were originally written in Greek. They weren't written in English. They were written in Greek in the New Testament and translated now many generations later. And so sometimes we have to look at the nuance of the word to understand what does that word pure mean? This word pure, first of all pure, the priority of pure, what it really means here, it signifies cleansing. A cleansing, not an outward cleansing, but a cleansing of the heart, of one's integrity. This true wisdom, this wisdom from heaven is, first of all, pure before God. It doesn't have ulterior motives. It's cleansed of selfishness. That's what this true wisdom is all about. Next, next we see it's not just pure, but it's what peace Loving, peace-loving, or, or often translated peaceable, peaceable. What does that mean? The idea here is that this true wisdom from God, it brings peace, uh, specifically to relationships. This true wisdom, it's not an arrogance about it. It's not an arrogance that divides or separates in relationships. We, we've experienced that. Maybe we've done that before. Maybe we've experienced someone that's done that in relationships, but that's not the true wisdom of God. It, it does, it's not an arrogance that divides. It doesn't take delight in hurting others and tearing them down. This true wisdom brings us closer to one another and closer to God. It's, it's peace-loving. It's peace-loving. Next, we see it's considerate. This is actually one of the hardest words to translate from Greek into English. Some suggest the word gentle. Neither that considerate or gentle really give the proper nuance of what uh, James is trying to say here. What's, what he's trying to say is, is that th this is a word, I like translating it, called sweet reasonableness. I love that. It's sweet reasonableness. What does that mean? Such a person like this, a considerate person, will submit to all kinds of difficulty in their life with an attitude that's kind, that's courteous, that's, that's patient humility. Think about that word, right? Patient humility. So this true wisdom we're talking about, it extends kind of a sweet reasonableness without any thought of hatred or revenge, even in the midst of difficulty. That's the true wisdom James is talking to us about. Next, a submissive, ready to obey, willing to yield. True wisdom, it's willing to listen, and better yet, it's willing to obey what God desires. What does it say next? It's full of mercy. It's full of mercy and good fruit. See, traditionally, when the Greeks used the word mercy, they were to speak of someone who's suffering unjustly. And our hearts resonate with that, right? That when someone is suffering and it's not fair and it's not right, we feel compelled to do something about it. But what's interesting, in Christian thought and writing throughout the New Testament, this word mercy takes it a step further. It's not just about those who are suffering unjustly. It actually becomes this idea of mercy for the one who is in trouble, even though it's their own fault. So not just the one suffering unjustly, but the one who we would deem suffering justly. They deserve their suffering. They deserve the misery that they're in. Mercy responds even then. This true wisdom, it can show mercy to all because it reflects the mercy of God. That's true wisdom. True wisdom. Next, uh, number six, what does it say? It's impartial. 
It's impartial. It's consistent. It's unwavering. True wisdom does not entertain the sin of partiality. We, James spoke of, of that in James chapter 2. That's not this wisdom. The sin of partiality has no place. There are certainties in Christ, and this wisdom is unwavering in those certainties. And finally, finally, it's sincere. This true wisdom is always sincere. It's not apathetic. It doesn't sit on the sidelines. It doesn't check out, right? It, it's sincere but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure then peace loving considerate submissive full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere when i think of wisdom i think about my friend jason uh now, now jason's not a part of our church and in fact he's he's my friend from many years ago before we lived here in harrisonburg an earlier season of my life i was really young and I, I tended to have, there weren't a lot of uh, friends that I had that were necessarily my age. Many of the friends I had were, were kind of 10 plus years ahead of where I was. And Jason was like that. But the good thing about that is I really, I was at a place where I needed wisdom. Remember me holding my daughter and I have no idea what I'm doing. I had no idea what I was doing, any, anything in life. I needed wisdom. And, and Jason was an incredible source of that for me. But when I think of him, I think about a lot of things. I think about his brilliant mind, his remarkable education. He has a really impressive resume. Uh, but the reason, the reason as I was reading through James 3 that I thought of him was not because of that stuff, actually. It, it wasn't those things at all. I was reading through James 3, and I realized the wisdom that my friend Jason had was not sourced by his education or his excellent work ethic or all the things that he had accomplished. That, that, I promise you, they would be really impressive to you. He's accomplished some things, but that's not the source of his wisdom, I began to think about some of his attributes. I began to think about his sincerity, how real he was with me and those around me. I thought about some of the broken relationships in his life. His life was not easy, and there was a lot of brokenness in his family and people around him. But, but I thought about the way he displayed mercy, mercy to those individuals. I thought about all of the, that he had accomplished, but he never treated me or others with this arrogance or entitlement, a, a, a sweet reasonableness, a patient humility. And I didn't realize it then, but I know now that's, that's true wisdom showing up in his life. That's James 3 on display in his life. Not because he's so smart and he's accomplished so much. And let me just tell you all this a wisdom that I've accumulated. No, no, no. He was, he was a living proof. He, he was a living example displaying the qualities and characteristics of true wisdom in his life for me. Uh, James 3, uh, verse 17 and 18. There's kind of an implied scorecard here, isn't there? Look again with me one more time at the seven attributes. I wonder today, if you were grading yourself, how, how would you do? How would you, how would you do at grading yourself on pure and peace-loving and considerate and submissive and full of mercy and impartial and sincere? How, how kind of grade would you give yourself today? So what is true wisdom? Well, well James makes it really clear for us. He leaves he, he it really clear, this true wisdom what it is so how how do we get it how do we get this how, how does how does my friend jason who, who displayed this kind of wisdom how do you get it how do we get access to that well as i look through my scorecard and how i would do if i were grading myself at all these attributes there's little room to to doubt for me that this wisdom comes from god i can't manufacture because because if i could i would 
If I could like, oh, I could get it, I could be better, I could improve, but, but if this is about me and what I can do, I've, I've got some pretty terrible grades on my scorecard. On my own, I fail, but this, this wisdom isn't from me. This true wisdom is not sourced by me. It comes from God. Look at the verse 17 at the very beginning, wisdom that comes from heaven, right? This true wisdom is not from me. It's not something I do. It's not something I manufacture there's no ambiguity or middle ground when it comes to establishing the truth about wisdom, is there? What does James say? There is wisdom that comes from God, and then there's everything else, the latter of which isn't wisdom at all. Either it's God's wisdom, true wisdom, or it's not. So the good news the good news, how do we get it? The good news is we have access. You and I, we can have access to true wisdom today. At the very beginning of his book, James chapter 1, verse 5, that's the beauty of doing a deep dive into a book. You realize that this isn't just some topic James is picking out of the air and deciding. No, no, no. He begins in James 1, verse 5, reminding, imploring those that are being persecuted, those believers that are being scattered throughout the region. He implores them to ask God for wisdom. So how do we get wisdom? We, we ask. We ask. Seriously? Seriously. It's that easy. Remember, remember, to acknowledge him as the source of true wisdom means, it means something. It means that I'm not the source of true wisdom. So, so to humble yourself enough to say, God, I, I want true wisdom and, and I want to seek you for it means that I'm acknowledging I don't have wisdom. I need help. Right now, could you say that in your life? Could you admit in humility? Would you be honest enough to admit that you need God's wisdom? Not your own. That's where it begins. Godly wisdom, listen, it's not reserved for the spiritual elite. Maybe we think that. Maybe you came today thinking of that person, that spiritual giant in your life that always seems to have wisdom, and you're like, man, I want to be like them. Well, the truth is, the true wisdom, it's not reserved for, for people like that. It's not a secret code that has to be discovered. Godly wisdom, true wisdom is available to you and me right now if we would just humble ourselves enough to admit we need it. And ask. And ask. So, what is true wisdom? Uh, the Bible's clear. James 3 is clear. How do we get it? Man, we've we got to ask. We've got to humble ourselves enough to, to ask. But how do we grow in it? Maybe that's the hardest question today. How do we grow in it? Maybe you've experienced godly wisdom before. But how do we move from this kind of one-time experience? Maybe you needed wisdom. There was a specific opportunity. Do I take this job or, or not? Do I apply for this promotion or not? Do I marry him or not? Right, whatever that is in your life, in your context. Whatever you needed in that moment, you needed wisdom and you prayed and God showed up and he gave you the wisdom that you need. And you celebrated, yeah, God, thanks. Maybe you needed it regarding a circumstance, a struggle, a hardship you were going through. Lord, I don't understand this. I need wisdom. I don't understand this diagnosis. I don't understand why all these bills kept piling up right now and I don't have a clue what to do. Maybe you prayed and, and God gave you wisdom. He gave you wisdom. Maybe in that moment, but, but maybe one step at a time throughout the journey, he gave you wisdom and you could stand up today and, and praise God and testify, yeah, this is real, this true wisdom we're talking about, but maybe today you desire to grow in this true wisdom. 
You desire, what if this new year could be marked by thousands of opportunities, thousands of moments where, where you're relying on the true wisdom of God in every area of your life? Maybe you've experienced it before, maybe you haven't, but today maybe you desire to grow in it. Well, let's look one more time at verse 18. Uh, verse 18 of James chapter 3. After this long list, these seven attributes to show us what true wisdom is, what does James say in verse 18? Peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the so what. This is the so what of verse 17. If verse 17 states emphatically what wisdom is and how we get it, then verse 18 helps us understand the so what of all of that. This statement that concludes, this concludes chapter 3. When you show up next week, yeah, we're going to be in James, but we'll be in James 4, right? This closes the book on this chapter 3. But this statement, this statement helps connect three important ideas. The wisdom from heaven, true wisdom, we've been talking about that. Peacemaking and righteousness. You see, living wisely in true wisdom produces fruit in our lives. That's what James is saying. That's how we grow in it. It's not just giving us what we need to overcome the obstacles we're facing. That's important. And we think of that when we think of wisdom. But, but the truth is something's happening in us. Remember, look at the list again. Remember, purity, peace-loving, submissiveness, mercy, this godly wisdom. It causes fruit to show up in our lives, to be produced through us. Peacemakers is the way James helps tie it all together. And ultimately, this fruit is being produced. It's a pathway to something remarkable. James calls it righteousness. Righteousness, a harvest of righteousness. This fruit that's being produced through godly wisdom, through true wisdom, it produces something in us. And what does that word righteousness mean? It means the state of how things ought to be. Right relationship with God. Right relationship with each other. So this wisdom is producing something in us that leads to something remarkable. This is what Pastor Sam said as he closed uh, the message message last week. This is really good. Wisdom is a pathway to living and being in right relationship with God and with others. So here's the trick today. We actually don't seek wisdom in and of itself. And maybe that's the biggest misconception you and I have. We don't seek wisdom just so that we can do better or succeed more or earn more or that the chaotic things happen. We pray about that. We believe in that. But wisdom is not just about that stuff getting better. We seek God for wisdom because it's the pathway that leads us to right relationship with him and others. I love how the message paraphrase, I don't have it on the screen, but listen. This is what the message paraphrase says. James 3, 17 and 18. Real wisdom. God's wisdom begins with a holy life. It's characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day and cold the next, nor two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. I'm going to be honest with you, far too long I've equated wisdom with making the right decision, choosing the right path. Should I do this or that? Oh God, I need wisdom. And clearly there's some truth to that. There's truth to that. 
But God's wisdom is so much more than that. If we reduce, listen, if you don't hear anything else I'm saying to you, if we reduce godly wisdom to this kind of compass that just points us down the right path, a yellow brick road of sorts that shows us the right path, then we miss the full extent of God's plan for our lives. Can I, I'm at a place in my life where I've never needed God's wisdom more than I need now. I, I, maybe I, I feel kind of embarrassed to admit that. I, I feel like I, I've followed the Lord a long time. I've been in relationship with him. I'm a pastor. I feel like I should, I should be further along than I am in some areas, but I'm going to be transparent with you today that I've, I've never in my life needed God's wisdom more as a pastor, as a leader in this church, there are all kinds of decisions that need to be made. And we have an incredible staff and volunteer team, and so many of you show up and do so many incredible things as a part of our mission, but sometimes people are looking to me to make a decision. I'm just here to say sometimes it's paralyzing for me, paralyzing. There are moments every day when I'm aware, keenly aware, as a husband, as a father, as a leader of how desperately I need God's wisdom. But I'm realizing something really powerful. These moments where I feel stuck and I don't know the right decision to make or I'm, I'm afraid to move forward. Is that the right thing? Is that the wrong thing? And let me tell you, COVID has been filled with hundreds of those moments, right? Is this the right thing? Is this not? Should I do this? Should I not? What if I mess up? And I'm, I'm realizing that the wisdom of God is far more than helping me choose the right path, the right decision. Because in the waiting, in the wrestling, and the praying, and the seeking God, He is desiring to do something in me. Something in me. These past two years, right? It's, it's not been a walk in the park for anyone in leadership. If you're trying to lead anything, anywhere, this has been brutal. Brutal. And can I just admit that, yeah, that, that feels paralyzing. Feels like Life is, is filled with chaos and disruption, and I don't know what to do. And, and I, I have disappointed the decisions I make. I've disappointed other people, and it's heartbreaking to me. Heartbreaking. Gut-wrenching. As much as I can look back over decisions, decisions that I've made over the past couple of years and question, did I miss it? Did I do the wrong thing? Could I have done better? The truth is, through it all, you know what God was doing in me? He was producing something through his wisdom that's greater than any decision or any outcome. I'm not saying our decisions don't matter. I'm not saying the outcomes don't matter. But what I'm saying is so often, so often, we get stuck out here. We make wisdom about this. What do I do about that? What do I do about this? And we miss what wisdom wants to do in here and in here that God is producing something in us, in the journey, in the indecision, in the seeking that far outweighs anything happening out here in my prayer that I found through the chaos and through the disruption and through the uncertainty is this, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. I have to say it three times because by the third time, I think I mean it more than the first two. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. I want to challenge you. Don't get so lost in this. This matters. Decisions matter. Outcomes matter. Uh, but don't get so lost in this, so focused on this, that you miss the transformational work of God in here and in here. And I believe that's what true wisdom is for us. 
I want to articulate it this way. I've got it here on the screen. See, the wisdom of God, the true wisdom that we have access to, if we would just ask, the true wisdom of God, it's just as much about who we are to be than what we are to do. And I don't know about you, I don't think I always get that. I don't think I came in the room today totally in step with that because to me, wisdom is always about the decision and it's always about the outcome. But but when I read the characteristics and qualities of true wisdom in James chapter 3, it's as much about who we are to be, the character that God is forming, making us into Christ-like images, holy people, light in his image. The wisdom of God is just as much about who we are to be than what we are to do. And I wonder today, I wonder today if there's anyone else that's been asking God for wisdom and we're a little frustrated, we're a little disappointed. Things aren't lining up the way that we thought they were. The decisions are not always that much easier, but but at the same time, while you're praying and trusting, God is doing a work in you to produce something far greater What is he producing? Look at the list. It's right there. A purity. A peaceable, a peace-loving heart. A sweet reasonableness, being considerate. A submissiveness to his way and his will. A mercy that's not defined by my standards or my idea of justice, but his. An impartiality, a sincerity happening in my heart and in my mind as I wait, as I trust. So today, so today, let's ask God for wisdom in your life right now. Let's ask God for wisdom, not just the wisdom to make the right decision, but the wisdom to be his people, to be his church, to be his hands and feet now, today, extensions of his kingdom here and now. His wisdom is available to you and to me if we would ask. Lord Jesus, today, we pray and we ask not for our wisdom, not not for circumstances to just get better. We prayed into that earlier and we believe that we, we call out to you and you're close to us and you are God of the present and you're God of the future and you write our stories and we believe in all of that, but but... Forgive us when our definition of wisdom is just a little short-sighted. When our definition of the wisdom that you have for us is all about the decision. And we miss what it is that you want to do in us. So Lord, open our eyes today. Open our eyes to see. Some of us are waiting. And the waiting, oh, it's frustrating. The indecision, it's heartbreaking. We don't know. We're calling out to you and we don't always know. We don't always hear, God. We don't always know what what it is that you're saying to us. Help us not to miss this true wisdom that comes from heaven. It's producing something in us that far outweighs, far outweighs any circumstance or any obstacle or any outcome of this world form us and make us into your image as we wait, as we trust. For the person today, maybe they would resonate with my prayer, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. And as they're saying that, they're kind of preaching to themselves. 
Because daily there's a battle in my heart and in my life. Do I really trust you? Do I really mean that to be true? I might pray it when I wake up, but do I still believe it at 3 p.m. when I'm anxious and I'm overwhelmed and I'm afraid? But today our prayer is, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Give us true wisdom, divine wisdom that transforms our hearts, that transforms our minds, that makes us into your hands and feet here in a world that desperately needs it. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we trust you. Church family, would you stand? as we pray, as we sing, as we close together. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.